Let's start with prayer. O heavenly King, the comfort of the spirit of truth, hearts ever present to fill us all things, treasure your blessings and give of life. Come and abide in us and cleanse us from every impurity and save our souls a good one. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <coughs> For a good portion of you, this is uh, the final catechism class. Uh, some others, uh, if you have not scheduled your second meeting with me, then you need to schedule that second meeting with me, uh, especially if you are desiring to come in at Lazarus Saturday. Even if you're not, it would be a good idea. Uh, I might schedule it for after Lent, just because Lent so far has been, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's been going on. Uh, and so my schedule is filled up really quickly. And I'm starting, to, I've already been stretched and I'm just getting a little bit more stretched. Uh, so if we're not planning on Lazarus Saturday, then we can meet afterwards and that's fine. Um, part of what, uh, we're going to be talking at the beginning, kind of like how orthodoxy is actually here, right? Uh, I know I've said this kind of often and some of you more than others, uh, are always online as they say these days, right? Like more integrated or connected with the internet world versus like what orthodoxy is, which is actually praxis here in a local parish, being plugged in at the local parish, actually being known by the priest, being known by the people, uh, etc. Because that's where the real, I say bread and butter, but I, I would like a better metaphor than bread and butter, meat and potatoes, the real grind. Rubber hits the road. Rubber hits the road. I like that. There's like uh, friction, I almost said fraction. Fraction. I don't want fraction, that's why we need the friction to learn how to not have fraction. Uh, so that we understand uh, even more importantly why the cross is at the center of everything and unity can't, can only be really through the cross of uh, love and forbearance and forgiveness for each other. Because inevitably, somebody's going to not like something. Inevitably, somebody's not going to like something that somebody said, looked, not looked like, but I hope not. That's, that'd be weird. Talk to me if you're struggling with what people look like. Uh, <coughs> but the way they look at you, right? All these kind of things that can, especially if you already kind of struggle with intrusive thoughts, uh, anxiety, social stuff to like, let me know before you start letting your grip go and then you get yourself into a, a cul-de-sac or a dead end because your thoughts have just gone crazy, okay? And you think you don't belong or somebody looked at you funny or whatever, right? Uh, I'm so Lynn's going to be talking here the first half, and then I'm going to be talking the, the second half uh, about confession, uh, mechanics, uh, basic pointers, and then you can ask questions. Uh, of course, you can always ask questions, but uh, and you can ask questions beyond confession once we have adequately uh, covered confession. Not that we will completely adequately cover confession, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, <coughs> yep. If, uh, just so I get it out of the way, if, I, if there's like a week that I need to change my schedule for this, what week would that best be? Change your schedule for what? Like to to make it to Lazarus Saturday to do all to make the confession to all all these things. Well, we have a schedule that has all this stuff on it. So April eighth is when okay. uh, Lazarus Saturday is. So familiarize yourself with the schedule. Look at the calendar. Uh, get to know what's coming up. Uh, if you haven't been to a pre-sanctified liturgy, you should get your bottom to pre-sanctified liturgy at some point. St. Andrew's Canon was that, right? No, St. Andrew's Canon is not the pre-sanctified liturgy. 
For your sanctified liturgy is I, I sac, uh, sanctified a lamb. If you haven't listened to former recordings, listen to former recordings, okay? Because we, we've covered uh, a lot of these things. I understand there's a lot of information coming at you. It's like a hose sometimes, right? Like there's a lot of stuff coming at you. Uh, we did do Praise Sanctified during the first week. That was the Wednesday night. Uh, we have, um, I think, at least two more pre-sanctifieds. No, three. And so Vespers is not pre-sanctified. Vespers is not pre-sanctified. <clears throat> uh, we do have upcoming, if you're able to come for the Vigil for Annunciation, the Feast of Annunciation. Annunciation is on March 25th. Can anyone guess why Annunciation is on March 25th as opposed to any other? It took me about two or three years. <laughs> so I'm going to share with you, like, it's one of those things where, like, oh, yeah, March 25th. I'm like, duh. <laughs> There's a reason why it's on March 25th, okay? So, like I said, it's a hose of stuff coming at you. Familiarize yourself. Uh, it's on the morning of the 8th. Uh, I've already been scheduling with folks live confession. Uh, I will make myself available. I'll be available around the 5th, but the 5th we're doing... Um, unction service, which is, uh, unction, uh, is one of the sacraments, so it's not actually available to those who are not orthodox. Uh, we will do a, an anointing with oil that's blessed from a lampada, but it's not, uh, the sacramental oil that will be blessed at that. So please still come, like you should still come and hear the words and ask for, uh, healing and, you know, the prayer that comes from that. Uh, there will be another, the last pre-sanctified will be on Wednesday morning of Holy Week. And I highly suggest for Holy Week that you find time to get off on like that Holy Friday, especially like if you can, if you have some PTO or whatever, take that Friday off, um, make the time and the space to be able to come. If you can't come to one thing, that's understandable. Life is life, but especially Holy Saturday, don't miss Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday is great. Uh, Holy Saturday is not Pasco, right? It's the beginning of the transitional. I bet there's a kid in a car somewhere. Uh, it's probably my son. Uh, uh, are there any other questions? You and I are having a meeting, so we'll talk about specifics of that. All right. Okay. Lynn, the floor is yours. Fine, thank you. Don't take it, please. <laughs> well, you said half the meeting. Well, but I don't have half the meetings. With fine, you. I can fill the rest of it. That's fine. <laughs> you all know the story of Abraham Lincoln and the uh, the lawsuit with the railroads. This is my favorite story. If I don't have enough material to fill up all the time, <laughs> 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 he says that the the railroads wanted to build a bridge across the Mississippi River, and the steamboat companies didn't want a bridge because it would cut into their business, of course. But it would be dangerous to their steamboats to have those bridge piers, you know, in the river. Is somebody trying to get in? Is that and so at all the closing arguments, the attorney for the for the shipping, you know, the steamboat companies gave Kate got up and he gave a three hour closing argument. Abraham Lincoln was the attorney for the railroads going east and west. He got up and he said, Well, Your Honor, I think that the people of America have as much right to go east and west as they have to go north and south. And he sat down. <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> Sometimes less is more. <laughs> At any rate, hello. Um, thank you for 
you know, allowing me to speak. I had um, I had a really concise talk already to prepared, and then all of a sudden I thought about who you all are, and I said, oh, gee, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> so I'll um, bear with me. My my topic is community and life in the church and being connected, and you already gave me a good intro for that. You know. If, it's important to come to the worship services. It's very, very important to learn so much about our faith in the worship services themselves. Just the timing, the flow, the length of time <laughs> that it takes, and so forth. It's all part of our formation of our character development. And yet, you know, it says, receive the body of Christ. That's what we're looking forward to when we come to total communion. And yet then after that, then we have to become the body of Christ. So that's how, how do we do that? How do we go from our very important, I'm coming to liturgy to being more connected? And I mean, some of you are like me, you know, you were not raised in a family that church was any part of it. I mean, for us, Sunday morning was read the paper and watch the news, you know, Sunday news analyses and go to the bakery and get a lot of coffee cake. So just for those of you who are new to this whole, you know, regular church thing, that's, that's going to be a big investment in your changing of your habits and your outlook. And we have to respect that and honor that. And that's who you are. Um, so coming to worship, you know, instead of just having a, a laid-back Sunday, here you are. That's one big change that makes you grow and become part of the community. Doing your prayers at home, that's something else. And yet, we don't want to be dancing alone. And we want to have some way to connect. And especially these days, um, there's so many fewer ways for people to connect. You know, you read about all that, so all the health, self-help posts on <coughs> media or from the news or whatever. <coughs> the isolation was the other thing. Bowling alone was something else that we talk about. And there really isn't an expectation in our culture anymore to be involved in a community service, to be serving on the board. Now, David, you probably, that's what you're trying to, you know, to encourage, you know. Um, but um, if I can be so bold, but when I first read the reports from the, from the fitness people saying, oh, everybody should go out and they should exercise 30 minutes a day, and that'll help keep you healthy for how long? For forever? And I thought to myself, wait, you can't exercise. Sorry, I didn't mean Forgive me while I started. Okay. You, you can't exercise for 30 minutes. You've got to get into your running clothes. You've got to go someplace. Or, you know, it's more like an hour and a half, and you're doing that six days a week. I said to myself, well, there goes community life. And I think I was right. So for you all, it's different from me growing up in the 50s where everybody <coughs> I knew, all the parents that I knew, they were all involved in some sort of Boy Scout or or, you know, Park District or Kiwanis or something that adults got together to work together for community or whatever was going on in church. So so that's that's part of who we are today that makes it more challenging to become part of a community or just to see yourself as part of a community. And I know there are people here in this room 
who have way more leadership experience than I have, whose depth of understanding of spiritual things, like Mark's comment on the blog, was so amazing. So we're in all different places. So um, just remember that Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when I talk about these ways to get connected, I'd like you to remember that it takes contemplation, it takes prayer, it takes consulting with Father about the place for you at this time in your spiritual walk, if that makes sense. You know, I don't want you to leave here feeling defeated or like I haven't done enough or I can't possibly do that. I want you just to recognize that we have an opportunity here to be the body of Christ and to grow together, knit together in love is what it says in the scripture. So, based on that, I just wanted my original talk was um, four, three, two, and one. <laughs> okay, so there's really four parts of church participation. One is worship, and that's our corporate worship here, and the other is personal. We've talked a lot about that, about participating in worship. The second part is stewardship. And everybody says, oh, yeah, they're asking for money again. <laughs> you know, that's what stewardship means. But, I mean, it means so many things, part of giving of ourselves for the good of the community. Um, the, uh, the third thing is nurture, and in that I would include uh, education, um, mercy, prayer, small groups, uh, encouragement of one another, accountability, accountability um, small groups, for instance, I love how we have coffee hour, and yet it's very brief, and it's really not time to get deep. Um, sometimes I've been in a small group where the purpose was Bible study and developing fellowship, developing accountability, building one another up. I don't know how it is for you, but for me, I really, really like to have somebody that I can talk, God talk with. You know, this is what God's been doing in my life, or I've been... I, I don't know, you know, what direction do you should I go with this thing or just, can you pray for me about this? I mean, I call that God talk and I really hope that all of us will develop a place and some people to have God talk with, whether it's a formal small group or just you connect with somebody and, and have coffee and so forth and so on. Can I, pl <coughs> can I plug something in right yes. here? So <clears throat> I think one of the challenges for folks who come from a Protestant background, you're used to small group stuff. So there can be a challenge in coming to Orthodoxy is like, oh, it's configured completely different. I do everything. I go to everything to the priest. That's not actually how it works, right? Like, I am one person. I can only have so many meetings a week. Uh, I can only get to know you so well, right? Like, I, I the relationship with the priest is not like a relationship with uh, a friend in the same way, right? Like, it's a different relationship that you develop with the priest. That doesn't mean it's just formal and like, right? Like, that, that doesn't mean like we can't be friendly with each other, but there is a kind of appropriate distance that happens. I hear your confessions, right? Like, uh, I'm going to be there when you, you know, hopefully this is years from now, you're on your deathbed, right? Like, maybe I'll die before you. Who knows? There'll be another priest, right? Because that's part of what the priesthood operates as, is like, if I wasn't here, there'd be somebody else here operating in this role. So I think part of that challenge, the shift into connecting with the parish is like, oh, I have a relationship with the priest. 
yes, but I don't replace the body of Christ, right? Like, I'm kind of like the captain at, <laughs> saying, we're going to go this direction, or, uh, you know, certain things that you might need spiritual advice, but you are in your Christian freedom uh, with others. You need God talk, right? You need friends. You need godly advice, feedback, uh, those things that aren't just me because you're not going to get access to me in that way. And, the, and I don't mean that like you have access to me. I don't mean that you don't have access to me, but I think you understand like it's lay, it's a layers of things and not just, well, now that I've become Orthodox, I don't really have to do the whole church thing. Cause I didn't really like the church thing. Right. Like we still do the church thing. Right. Okay. Sorry. That's just yeah, from my okay, experience. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what can we do? I mean, there's not that many small group leaders right at this point. But, I mean, luckily we have our coffee hour and been trying to have those connection tables so you can find people that you have affinity with. For instance, Katie and I have occupational therapy and gardening, you know, because it's those little things that can start an ordinary conversation that then can, you know, develop into something deeper, you know, just more connection. So I just say beware, be open, understand that that's part of our life. Sorry, I'm going to plug one more thing. That's why we have the, the men's synaxis and the women's synaxis, which isn't happening during Lent because there's so many other things going on. But those are specific time, specific times for folks to be able to sit down, to be able to get to know other people in the parish, and to get a little bit more tailored uh, teaching about things and with some Q&A. I'm hoping that that kind of creates this the idea behind it, a kind of a backbone or a setting to then spawn or spin off more connections, friendships, uh, people, because I know there's people who randomly get coffee, right? Who randomly go get donuts on a random morning of the week or who get together and have a beer at some point, right? Like, great. Those are all things that spontaneously on your own as adult, mature Christians, you do, right? You don't, I don't have to know about it because you're doing it already, right? All right. <coughs> I don't want to be a micromanager. <laughs> That's not my role. My role is like, we're going this way. And everybody's like, yay, we go that way. <laughs> and then, so we've talked about worship, stewardship, <clears throat> nurture, and the fourth part of a, of a well-rounded church community <clears throat> is mission. And that can take a lot of different avenues um, right now. I mean, if you're just new to this whole Christian thing, then maybe your mission for the year is to buy a bottle of detergent and put it in the box over there. You know, because that's just started showing something about taking care of the poor and so forth. Um, you know, things, different things will come up and people will, I, th I think in any kind of a church, it, the, past, the priest can't say we're going to do this and this and this. He can't be an HR director. We have to, as a community have the spirit lead us into various areas of mission or nurture, you know, ministry and so forth and so on. Um, I don't know if you know this, there was an interesting book called Under the Influence and it talked about the fact that Christianity in the early centuries totally turned society upside down. All Christians did is they went out and they saw a baby abandoned on the road because that's what people did and they would bring them home and raise the children. Or they gave honor to people who were enslaved. They gave honor to women. They, that was not part of the Roman culture. It was very much of a strong man culture. You know, men were ruling. 
the Christians were the ones who started hospitals. Mm -hmm. Our whole healthcare system is based on the work of St. Basil. I'm sure a lot of people did take care of St. Basil, really was intentional about building hospitals. So we as Christians, <clears throat> there are a lot of different areas that we can <coughs> take care of things and, and reach out to people. But that really affected me, you know, that the Christians went out, they took in those babies. And that turned the Roman culture upside down. So those are the four elements of church participation. Number three is stewardship. Oh, stewardship. <clears throat> those are ways for you all to, to think about how you can share your time, your talent, and your treasure. And I'm not going to go into them. Just say that's what it is. It's something to think about in your walk. And <clears throat> it can be that as a brand new communi you know, communicant, God just wants you to soak in the worship services for a while. I know there are some of you who've already been in leadership and are just looking for ways to serve, but I think it's something you need to talk to Father about, about, about how soon to jump in, how, and it's gonna be different for everybody. You know, how, how long do you soak in just being here and seeing what's going on, the rhythm, of the church year and so forth and so on, the rhythm of your prayer life and the rhythm of fasting and, and, and getting your budget in order and so forth and so on. But I just encourage you to say that there's, you know, being totally part of the body of Christ is sharing your time, talent, and treasure in whatever ways that God shows you. So that's all. I'm, did you have anything else to say about stewardship? To, well, I would say stewardship, as, as Lynn is alluding to, it's more than just, you know, writing a check. That is great to make a sacrifice and give to the church. Uh, it is a stewardship, uh, generally means like taking care of things, right? We're all co-stewards of, well, creation first. Let's go all the way back to Genesis, right? That's what we're made for. And in Christ, we're still stewards and all of the gifts the way the fathers think is basically everything that I have was given to me, period. Everything. So, in fact, the way the fathers talk is like, really, I don't own anything. Everything is being given to me to take care of, right? That's what a steward does, right? It's not really theirs. So, our entire life, our car, our, our mortgage, <laughs> right? All of these things, uh, they're all things that have been given to us. Uh, some to teach us things, but they're also gifts and talents. So some of us may not make, like we're, hard, we're struggling to make ends meet, right? Some may have some surplus. Uh, so there's going to be differentiations. In the gospel, it's the, the widow who gave, right, just a little tiny bit. She gave way more than somebody who was giving millions, to use contemporary language, right? She gave five bucks, and somebody's given a million. She gave everything, right? So it, this is not a... Uh, you know, the ideal that's out there that is in, in our diocese specifically is to aim for 10% uh, is given as a tithe to the church. If you can't and you're not used to that and that wasn't, it's supposed to be free will offering. So if it's one, if it's 0.25%, if it's 0.5, you know, whatever, and then just kind of gauge and pay down some of your credit cards or something, right? And then figure out ways in which, and if you can't give monetarily, then it's giving of your time, right? Uh, to serve or to ask uh, for ways to help and to serve. Um, 
there's going to be more opportunity, right? Uh, as we grow, there's going to be, as, as Lynn's already indicated, we're going to need folks here in a year or two to be able to step up and be able to like maybe run a small group. Running a small group sounds really lofty and heavy, but really what it is is like, we're going to meet at this time at this place and we're going to hang out for two hours. Maybe there's a book that Father will suggest to us, uh, or we just get coffee and we talk. Right? Another question. Yeah. Yes, speaking of the, the synaxis, and I don't mean to impose anything with this question. I'm just like uh, wondering. Um, has, there, like, ha, has, it even, has it ever been considered to open something like a symbolism table? Because I know so many people are making it to orthodoxy through symbolism. And maybe some of us uh, would like to have a space within orthodoxy to keep seeing how symbolism makes sense of life, but with the orthodox church, that kind of thing. Let me just ask, who knows what he's talking about with symbolism? <laughs> so some do, okay. So, and others don't. So, that's fine. That's one of those things. So what she was saying, like, I'm saying, you guys, as you become mature orthodox, it'll take a little while marinating, etc. There's things, all sorts of things to be done. Uh, that would be what you just asked me, can we do this thing? And I'll say, well, I might ask some questions because there's some things like somebody's like, uh, I want to have a table where we discuss how to argue about abortion. I'll be like, I think I want to be there for that because I don't know exactly how you're going to do that, right? Like uh, sexuality things. Like well, I want to be there because I want to make sure because people or if somebody wants like, oh, we'll do politics. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely like how about you talk to me and then we'll figure something out okay like because there's certain things and I'm not saying that about a symbol I'm not equaling <laughs> the symbolic worldview stuff from Peugeot to straight up politics stuff but uh, although that, that does hit on certain things it's just for right order like the captain thing like running if you want to start something I'm not saying if you want to get together with some families and have a meal I don't need to be in the email thread right <laughs> please take care of that on your own I will not answer, <laughs> okay? But if you're wanting to start something that is like intentional with teaching and that kind of stuff, or like discussing a particular topic, just ask me. Is that clear, what I'm saying? Okay. Okay, thank you. Yep. Okay, all right, so number two. <clears throat> I heard a minister say once that there's two kinds of people in a church. There's the pillars and the caterpillars. <laughs> <laughs> the pillars hold up the church and the caterpillars go in and out. And his, his challenge to the people in the, in the congregation is, which do you want to be? Do you want to be a pillar or do you want to be a caterpillar? And um, my husband was very moved by that. And he, you know, we were talking later, and he said, you know, he said, I don't sing, I can't carry a tune, I can't do anything like that. And I'm no good with teaching kids in Sunday school you know, that's just not who I am. <clears throat> so I thought about it for a while, and I said, you know, you're really good at real estate and understanding buying, selling, financing, and all that sort of stuff. He did that as a sideline. Um, I said, what if you offered to teach the young couples in the church who are wanting to buy a home, how, you know, kind of give them a tutorial, a guideline, hold their hands, help them walk through the process? So he did, and we got quite a few young couples who did that. You know, he, I don't need to go into the process, but I still have people coming up to me 30 years later when I'll see them in the community and say, 
oh my gosh, I'm just so thankful to Reed because he did that and he helped us through that very scary process and saved us from a lot of mistakes and all that sort of stuff. So I just tell you that story to say that there's a way that God can use you, you know, even if you don't sing or like to take care of little kids. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and those are just so that you can be in prayer about that and see what sort of special area. Um, just, there are, I don't know how many people there are living in assisted living facilities throughout here in, in Oak Ridge. I can't remember. I added it up one time. 20,000 perhaps, maybe, maybe 10,000, something like that. Every one of those people has punched the wrong number into their cell phone and then they can't use it anymore and they can't get in touch with their family. If we had a look up, tech savvy people who just go to the, you know, assisted living and say, all right, today there'll be somebody here to help you fix the buttons on your cell phone. We might just totally have turned the whole, you know, can you imagine all the joy the families? <laughs> anyway, that's just one silly little idea of something that, you know, that's an option. Um, there are a lot of different ways to be able to figure out how you might be able to serve. I mean, um, in Romans 12, talks about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about spiritual gifts and also how they have one body with many members. I mean, uh, Ephesians 4, I mean, why was it a church once where we took formal spiritual gifts inventories to try to figure out what ministries we'd be best at? We don't do that. But at any rate, you know, it's something to be in prayer about, about how you can just build up your life in Christ, I guess. Um, Jesus said, if you're faithful in little things, then you'll be, you know, was it Jesus? I don't know. It says, faithful in little things, that you'll be given faithful in big things. Um, so anyway, you might say, well, gosh, I have social anxiety. And all I want to do is be home and be in solitude. And I'm saying, hmm, I think I've known of a few desert monks who <laughs> had that same <laughs> spiritual gift. You know, so there's opportunities for, uh, for connection and, and being part of the body of Christ in many different ways. So that's all. I don't have a number one. I'm just like four. <laughs> <laughs> Could you repeat the name of the book you mentioned that started with the word under? Under the Influence. I think that they've changed the title of it right now. But I have it at home. I can email you the, the author. I don't remember the author either. Can I make one observation on this? Just very quickly. I don't want to take away Father's time, but... I, I think one thing that really distinguishes uh, an Orthodox parish and, and this type of church from any other is is that we're we're such a community, we're a family, um, and I, with suburbia and with the internet, uh, you know, Al Gore had to go and, and invent the thing, and so, so now you know people are all on, on their screens, and and you don't really have a, a sense of community anymore in a lot of neighborhoods. Like, I can't think of, I, I, there are probably two, three times in the entire time I've lived in my neighborhood, 15 years, that I've had people from my neighborhood over to my house or I've been over to their house for a meal. I can't count the number of times that I've had people in this parish at my house or I've been to their homes. Um, you know, we're, we're not strangers to each other. and We, we, we really, we, we love each other. We love getting together. Um, you, you see that especially like yesterday at the funeral where, where you know, have a parishioner, and we, we can go put our arms around that person. We can we can help uh, a family in, in a way that some churches they might have a benevolence committee that will 
get one person to bake a cake and then because they don't really know the people that are there but we do and and um, j just being here being a part of that community is is the most important thing thank you thank you friend so let's shift gears and talk about confession. Who's afraid of uh, the idea of a lifetime confession? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> not you? Yes, I'm not looking forward to it. Not looking forward to it. Afraid's probably not the right word, right? <clears throat> Some aspect of that feeling never goes away. Okay? Because it's... <laughs> How many who, let's say, to the married folks or folks within the... You know, parents, obviously, you have parents, but like, or if those who are close to you, you get in an argument and you realize at some point in that argument that you're the one who's wrong and it's really blatantly obvious. Sometimes it's really hard, even when you know, right? Like, I'm, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, right? Like, so to come before somebody, like, and to be able to confess to God and to, I don't know how else to liken it to like standing naked in a certain way, like you're going back to Adam and Eve, right? Like that you are exposed, right? And vulnerability is scary because we have, we're afraid of being rejected, right? We will run away and make our fig leaves and cover things up, right? We don't really want to deal with it. Uh, when God says like, where are you? Adam should have said, I've been looking for you. I like, I'm ready. I'm I, I, I disobeyed, right? But no, <laughs> that's not how it goes. So confession, uh, that little bit where like I'm going to confession this week. So there's always that little bit. I'm not thinking about it right now, but by when I get 24 hours, I'll be thinking about it. Right. And I don't mean thinking about it like just think, but just like if I'm going to give a good confession, that means I have to be brutally honest. Uh, brutally honest doesn't mean. So here we go. It doesn't mean giving me all the details or the story. I don't want to know all the details of all of the things, right? And I don't need, need the story about your aunt did the thing and the thing and the blah, 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 and then, then you did it. Like, I, we don't, it's not story time, right? God knows the story. You know the story. I don't need to know the story. And then it's not about me not wanting to know the story. It's just that's not what confession is. It's not story time. There are times where I, I, I'll be hearing confession and I, you know, Kind of hearing it here, I'm like, okay, where's the sin? Because you can talk about things that you're struggling with, that you're wrestling with, but that's not necessarily sin, right? Like, I'm struggling with doubt. Well, okay, what is that? Is that lack of faith? Okay, there's, like, faithlessness, right? <laughs> I don't think, doubt is not necessarily a sin, right? Uh, there is something that's there. And I think you, you will discover as you have to go in, like, you have to prepare, you have to go down inside here, and see what's really there. Scripture talks about looking at yourself in the mirror and actually beholding who you are instead of just uh, looking at yourself and being like, mm, uh, uh, and then walking away, right? So confession uh, is something where you are being honest. Uh, you're not telling me stories, but it's also not just a checklist, right? Like there's kind of these extremes, like story time with Father Daniel. Well, it's not me telling the story, but you're telling me all these things and we're four minutes in and I'm wondering, what are we talking about? Like, uh, this happens. Or explaining yourself, right? Like, 
I did this, but there's that word. Mm-hmm. I did that because, and then you tell me the reason why you sinned. One of the things, don't justify yourself. Just admit it, what it is. There's always reasons. <laughs> There's tons of reasons. Some of them are more legitimate than others, right? Just like my kids. <laughs> they hit each other. It's like, well, he did, right? doesn't matter. You're never supposed to hit the other person, right? Don't tell about other people's sins in your confession. They can deal with it. That's not what you're there for, to talk about your mima or your spouse or whatever, right? Like, just come to be honest about where you have fallen short. This isn't also like that checklist thing. It's not about the rules that you broke, right? Sin is the, the Greek. It's about missing the mark. It's the ways in which you have failed, but it's also the ways, because you can fail in different ways, right? Or you're... You can fail by doing something, and you can fail by not doing something. So one of the things, uh, I'll I'll send out some resources uh, this next week, this week, uh, in regards to confession. And it's a very common practice in the church to kind of go through, like, the Ten Commandments, which is great. But what I find, those who use that to prepare, is they're always talking about the things that they failed in, And I would suggest, look at the Beatitudes, right? Look at the fruit of the Spirit. Look at these different lists of things. Uh, I just said, don't do lists, but I'm talking about, right? Like, I don't have joy in my life, right? Because I'm too wrapped up in my anxiety about blah, blah, right? That is a sin, right? We're not living into the fullness that we're supposed to uh, live into. And maybe you need to just reconfigure. You probably have been this whole time. Reconfigure what you think sin is. Right? We're, we're talking about ways in which we have broken the commandments of God. And the ways in which we have also not lived into the fullness that God created us to be. Because we're made in his image and likeness. Right? So we've broken things. But we also have just failed to do other things. Um, I'm trying to think. Are there any questions about confession? When I, when I say, so when I say it about details and I go to the questions, uh, if you have, since you're doing life confessions, let me talk about that real quick. Life confessions does not mean when I was 12, I stole five bucks from my mom's purse in order to buy a pack of cigarettes, right? Because you could buy a pack of cigarettes for five bucks back then, right? I don't know how much a pack of cigarettes costs now, but anyways. Uh, <laughs> right? Like, you don't need to tell me that. You, you can talk about if you've had a struggle that that then if it really okay if it really weighs on your mind and on your heart and you're like still dreaming about that or like upset about that, confess it. That's fine, but you don't need to give me every instance in which you've done something. Right? Uh, there are certain sins that I expect to hear from men, and there are certain sins I expect to hear from women. Uh, if I don't hear them, that doesn't mean that I'm like, huh. But after a while, I, I do wonder because there's typical sins that come up for men and typical sins that come up for women. Sometimes it's a little di- bit different. And I'm sure some of you can imagine what some of the typical sins for men are and what the typical sins for women are. Uh, women sin too, right? Like men sin, women sin, everybody sins. Uh, and we sin in our own special ways. Uh, but all of our special ways are not special at all because nothing about our sin is unique. 
If you are afraid of, of admitting something and confessing something, I bet I've heard it 10,000 times at this point. Yeah, that's probably right. Like, and it's going to be okay. I'm not going to think less of you. I'm actually praying for you while you're standing there. And there's nothing that's going to surprise me. Uh, most of the time it's driving me to further repentance because I recognize all of that stuff in me. <laughs> that's not like I'm the sinless one standing next to you because I'm not. I'm going to confession this week, right? <laughs> yes. So, you know, like once we're Orthodox, uh, it's the, uh, you can't take communion if you commit a mortal sin, right? So you can find Orthodox to speak like that. I think that is, uh, if there is a grave sin that you have committed, that is something that you need to take confession before you approach the chalice. It is not a free for all in coming to the chalice. You may wonder uh, and observe uh, other people going to the chalice, and you're like, They've, I've never seen them stop. Well, first off, why are you even paying attention to what anybody else is doing in that regard in the first place, right? Uh, second, if there's something that's really weighing on your heart, then you need to take it to confession. Uh, if that means that you have to sacrifice your Saturday evening in order to come to Vespers and go to confession, well, guess what? <laughs> Saturday evening has been planned for you, right? <laughs> like... Uh, if it is a really serious thing, uh, that is something that we need to schedule. Or if you uh, need, if you get here early on Sunday morning and you let me know beforehand, because I don't check my phone that much on a Sunday morning. Gasp! I'm sure you're surprised by that. Uh, then I can maybe be able to, to squeeze something in early on a Sunday morning before we start the hours, etc. Right? Uh, but there is there does not need to be, this is not the way that we do things in the OCA, where if you are, you'll find in certain, if you read stuff on the internet, you're going to find different things. Because there's different practices from different time periods, different places, different amount of saturated orthodoxy. I'll use that as the phrase, right? You all did not grow up orthodox and your grandparents are buried in the cemetery behind the church, right? Like, that's a very different world than the world that we live in, okay? So... You will find uh, some churches that they practice. Uh, if you're going to receive communion, you have to attend Vespers the night before and go to confession before you receive communion. Uh, are those good things to do? Absolutely. But in the OCA, and specifically at St. Anne's, we don't have a one-for-one, one, right? That if you're going to receive communion, you have to go to confession. So it's There's a few reasons for this. One is practical. I can't hear 200 people's confessions every single Saturday night. Uh or if, even if I split it up, 50 one, not, one Sunday, 50 the next Sunday, 50 the next Sunday, 50 the next, because I, that just was not going to work like that. What the OCA has basically said, they have they basically say once a month. I have been encouraging St. Anne's, because that has not been the practice here, to do quarterly, to get into the rhythm of quarterly, because it's already going to be hard enough for you with quarterly. Trust me. So, you're like, so oh, that sounds easy. Every three months. Yeah, just wait until you're like, Oh, wait, it's been four months. Oh, it's been five months. I need to go. And then things come up and et cetera. So it's not as legalistic. I wouldn't use the word legalistic. If you're in a parish of 50 people, I could do that. We're not in a parish of 50 people. <laughs> right? So some of that is just size. Some of that is also demeanor. Uh, most folks, when they convert to orthodoxy, they want to receive communion on a regular basis. If you want to receive communion on a regular basis, then get into a regular rhythm of going to confession. Right now, I'm saying for St. Anne's, that should be monthly. Quarterly, sorry. Mm -hmm. If you want to go monthly, mm -hmm. 
that is something that you discern with me uh, based on like certain people's backgrounds, certain things that they were into before orthodoxy. Uh, so we've been talking about, we're talking about the long game here, right? It's not that you came into the church and all of a sudden you stopped sinning, right? <laughs> or all of those deep habits that you created are suddenly uprooted and gone, right? Some of those deep habits, their roots are really deep and they're really tangled up in your heart, right? So it's going to take time. Uh, and it's going to the grace of God. It's not just time and effort, but it's the grace of God. And sometimes he leaves us a, a thorn in our side, a problem with us to keep us humble and for us to rely on him. Go ahead. I can see. Oh, wow. Did you, we, sorry, Dylan, did you have another question? Oh, no. I thought I saw you formulate another question. Go ahead. Are we supposed to schedule uh, the confession, uh, the lifetime confession, or is there a specific day? Yes, there, that, that is what the second meeting is. First, the second meeting is not the lifetime confession, but it's just sitting down and talking, okay. getting an idea for where you're at, uh, if I think that you're ready or not, uh, and then we would schedule the lifetime confession. I'm trying to schedule them basically within that week right before Lazarus Saturday. Yes. So you mentioned two extremes in confession, like the full story, but then I think you didn't... A checklist where you're just, uh, like as an attitude, right? Like lust, anger, uh, <laughs> impatience, uh, envy, uh, I slapped my mama. Uh, I hear kids' confessions too. Uh, you know, and I can just t like, sometimes, like, it's not about your feelings, right? I'm not interested, like... If you cry, you cry. I've gone to confession, no plans of crying. There I go, I'm crying, <laughs> right? Just because it's like, it's a sacrament. There's something that happens in confession. You go in, you're thinking like, here I am, I'm prepared. And then it's happening. And then you see like, God reveals something to you in the act of confessing that you didn't even really see. You're like, that's why. <laughs> or, okay, now I really see myself. I did not see myself until this stream of sentences came out of my mouth. Because this is part of what confession does. You are audibly owning things that you don't want, right? That there's a great icon. It's not really an icon because we have, I wouldn't want to kiss this icon. That's what I would say. But it's like depicting a, a confession and it's got somebody uh, confessing and like snakes and demons and all this stuff is like <laughs> pouring out of their mouth. And the priest is kind of like <laughs> sitting on the side of course. But like there, in that act, you are able to see things. And you're taking, in a way, you're also like, I want a fresh slate, right? Because this is repentance. This is the crowning, because repentance doesn't start in confession. Repentance starts as you're <laughs> heading towards confession, right? Confession is you being able to articulate the things in which you have need to express and repent of, so that then you are forgiven to then be able uh, to be empowered, to be renewed, to be refreshed, to be cleansed again, so that you may be able, uh, one, to approach the chalice with newness of heart and with clear vision, and to get the stuff off your back. Because we walk around with so much guilt and shame and stuff that uh, blocks our vision, that you know messes with our hearts that we need to get out, and we need to get off of our plates. And to hear the words of forgiveness, right? This is also, it's a sacrament. So I'm going to talk about some physical stuff as we're talking about this. When you come in to hear, uh, and for me to hear your confession, right now I do them in my office. If we had a bigger space, I would probably would do it in the church, but we don't have, you don't get much privacy in the, the space that we have. You would come, there's an analogian in my office. I think most of you have been in my office, right? There's the, the icon of Jesus 
that's standing there. Then I have a gospel book and I have a cross. When you come in for a confession, you would you would venerate the gospel and the cross. Then I would say, uh, uh, Behold, Christ stands before you to hear a confession. Do not be ashamed. Do not be afraid. Do not hide anything from me from only a witness. Behold, Christ stands before you to hear all those in your heart. Tell him all those in your heart. Let's time to come to the place of position. You depart unhealed. So I had to close my eyes so I could go back into memorized land. Um, that basic prayer, right? Like I'm here as a as a witness. Like I'm not here as God. Like Christ is the one that you're confessing to. I'm standing beside you, right? So let's act like that's the, the icon of Jesus. Well, it is the icon of Jesus, but in my office, right? So you would stand here. I would stand here. And basically when I'm hearing a confession, I'm just standing right here while you are, are making your confession. Um, there's always the awkwardness of, like, where do I start? I've heard all sorts of things. You do not have to say, Father, bless me, for I have sinned. It has been da 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 That's the movies. <laughs> We're not, this isn't the Catholic Church. If you want to say that, I might scratch my head because it's just not what we do. You're welcome to do that if that's what you want to do. It's not necessary. Okay? I'm always surprised what people are like, oh, okay, they weren't even Catholic, so I guess they saw a movie. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, you just start. Uh, some of them, they just address God, right? Father, I have sinned in these ways. There's some that you can find online. Uh, I have some who even they have a print-off thing that's kind of like a formula. And not in a bad way, but it's like, you know, uh, before you, Father, I confess my sins to Almighty God. I am sorry for, etc., etc. I And you can almost hear that like Roman Catholic, if you grew up Roman Catholic. I am mightily sorry for my sins. I humbly repent and ask for... Uh, uh, ask for absolution so I may receive the, of the heavenly gifts, right? You can find that if you Google around online. That's fine if you want to do that. It's also fine you don't have to do that. Um, uh, the, the most important thing is that you have prayerfully been sifting your heart to be able to articulate the things that you need to repent of. That in this process, you are making a resolution, you are looking for absolution, uh, and you are looking to how you are going to move forward with the forgiveness that is being offered to you, right? I might ask questions. Sometimes I don't ask questions. It really depends. Sometimes something that somebody says in confession piques my interest. And I don't mean piques my interest as in, like, I want to know all the sort of details. It piques my interest, especially if somebody seems really dejected and despondent about something. I might ask questions. Uh, I might ask a question about, like, what is your prayer life like? Because some people, uh, I'm sure you've had these weeks or months or period of just like, I'm dead inside. I, I don't have anything. I just don't know. I haven't been able to pray. I haven't, you know. And so I might just give you, a, like, a word of encouragement. Uh, and, and then I ask questions like, so what kind of prayer rule are you trying to accomplish? Are you thinking that you're a monk? Because if you're doing that, we need to, right, like, and there are, out of this also comes uh, penances. Are you all familiar with what a penance is? Yeah. At least the, the movie version of penance, right? Okay. So penance is not the movie version of penance, although it might have a little bit more to it like that than you might think. Uh, epitomia is the way that we say it in Greek. Uh, epitomia is something I actually give out epitomias a lot, and people don't actually realize that that's what I'm doing because it's things that I say, like, you should, I suggest doing X, Y, and Z, right? Like, you should pray, uh, especially if there's been a mortal sin, right? Something that's of, of weight, 
right? Adultery is going to have an epitomia attached to it, right? Fornication is going to have an epitomia attached to it. Uh, a penance, which might be, depending on the severity and what's going on, it might be a time away from the, the chalice where you are repenting. You are given a prayer, a special prayer rule, specific prayer rule, and we are going to set a time, like, okay, you need to come back in a month, and we need to see how things are going, right? Like, you've got yourself involved with a woman or a man, and things have gone too far, and it's inappropriate now, and what are you going to do? My advice is probably, like, you need to extract yourself from that relationship, or you need to reestablish all the boundaries that you didn't establish on the first time around, right? That sounds really specific, but... Um, that's what popped in my head as something that would require something of weight, right? <clears throat> and that means we're going to have to take a break from communion for a while until you get things straight, right? Uh, that's an epitomia. <laughs> Dependence. It is given, it is not given as a like, all right, do not pass go, do not collect $200, right? That kind of thing. It is given as a path of restoration. So it's like a prayer roll attached to it. Some prostrations may be attached to it. Some time away from communion because you're obviously in the grave sins that you've got yourself into, you're taking the sacrament with, very lightly, right? And you need to, what do we say when, we, when we're about, what's that prayer, right? Like, so I do not take it for condemnation, right? There is, I'm trying to think if there's any other questions out of what I'm saying. Yes. So it's like how a doctor will prescribe treatment. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> it's exactly how a doctor. Like, if you had a really bad infection, you're going to get a strong dose of antibiotics. If you broke your arm, you didn't go to the doctor, and it healed incorrectly, I'm going to have to break the arm. And we're going to take some time to reset it, right? And hopefully... And this is where you need to be honest, and I'm going to be honest. I'm never going to force things. The only, the, the really only thing that I, but what I mean by force is like the really only thing that I have as a priest is saying I can't commune you. There's I can't force anyone to do anything. That's not how Christ works. That's not how the church works. I can put boundaries on things. I can say you can no longer have access. Like the veil is now, and you have to step back and reassess things. But I can't force you to repent. I can't force you to break out of that relationship. I can't force you, right? I, that's not what the role is. That's not what epitome is. But it is situations where there might be, some people need stronger medicine than others, and other people need, uh, a, uh, how would I say that? What do you call the medicine that's not really medicine? Or something like placebo. placebo, right? Like where I'm going to, depending on what the gravity, and certain people's also, their hearts and their disposition, some things are going to hit them and they're going to feel absolutely crushed by something. And other people, it's like, how are you not crushed by this? I think I'm going to have to give like you a little bit of a harder thing because you need to feel the weight of what you what is going on here. Does that make sense? Father? Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, you don't withhold absolution uh, if you're going to give a penance. You, you would still uh, provide absolution. It really depends. Okay, and so, like, for example, if somebody's in an adulterous relationship, I'm not going to absolve them until they broke off the relationship. Okay. And, um, you know, the, the, I mean, the Catholic model is a penance is, is you're having a, like, like a, you know, the, the, you've been forgiven, but the guilt remains. You're trying to make things right. good. So can you speak to that? Right. This is, this is not a temporal, like, working off your temporal purgatorial uh, accretions that have occurred because of the sins that you've piled up, Right. right. 
this is a path, like I like the, the doctor metaphor better, right? It is uh, trying to reset the bone. It is trying to give you a, a dose of antibiotics or maybe we need to put you in the ICU for a minute until you get things because you have a shock to your system, you have liver failure or something because you are in the throes of a particular sin. Uh, that goes to, like, there's going to be habitual sins. You're going to realize, and you probably already realize this, but you're going to realize this, especially as you prepare for a confession, that there's probably a basic list that you could probably, even this morning, if I said, all right, it's confession time, right? Uh, you could probably rattle off like five. I would hope that you would at least have five, right? Like some kind of awareness, especially with the lint. <laughs> things that you maybe didn't realize and now you do, right? Of things that you could talk about. And you might feel like that, you know, I'm almost 15 years into this where I'm still basically saying all the same stuff I've always said. There's certain things that are better. I have a little bit more depth and I understand, but the struggle is real, as they say, right? Like there is these things because when I was 12, 14, 8, whatever, my anger, what, right? All of these things that you developed, that habit, and it's going to take you the rest of your life, and by the grace of God, to be able to overcome some of those things. You'll work on it. It'll ebb and flow. But we know, like, none of us is going to die perfect. That's not really the goal here. And even those in the church that are, you know, like the, the shine, <laughs> the saints that like radiate light the whole time on their deathbed, they're talking about how they wish they had more time to repent, how they are, you know, they are nothing. And I don't mean nothing as in they're not worth anything, but like they without God can't do it. Any other questions? Yes. Um, it's not about uh, confession. I was curious about what type of mission work you guys do. What kind of mission work? That is something that we can talk about. So St. Anne's part of, How do I articulate this? Well, first, what do you mean by mission? Because there's a lot of people, they mean like foreign missions. We, there is foreign missionaries. Uh, OCMC. Uh, there's IOCC that does all sorts of aid work. Uh, so those are places. These are Orthodox charity and Orthodox mission that do... Africa, Mongolia, South Korea, etc. So I was thinking, uh, you know, really both, like uh, both, just to have like a general outline of, of what it is, and maybe so I could plan to be, like what would be possible, you know, just enough. I think that would be a great conversation table to have. <laughs> Partly, what has happened when I? How do I say this? Because of the growth that we've had, mm -hmm. the lack of space that we've had, and the particular history that we've had, mm -hmm. there's. There has been fits and starts with things that are outward directed, mm -hmm. and that is what I would like to move towards. But what <laughs> I have been mostly focused on, kind of like this class, <laughs> is the outside has been coming in so much <laughs> uh, that I'm trying to like make sure that we have a solid foundation and that people are plugged in here before we then prematurely rush out into the world and then realize that we don't even have our act together. Does that make sense? So a lot of what I've been trying to focus on is building up the parish to be able to be at a solid place. Uh, not that we're not solid, but I just mean, well, look at all of you. Like, there's a lot of you in here that this is, you're still, like, haven't even been here a year yet, right? So how do we make sure to get people plugged in? Because it's just me. It's not a staff of six guys and gals, <laughs> right? With a secretary on top of it, right? So this is something that I want to look more into uh, and do more specifically here 
but it's also, it also depends on what someone means by mission. Because some people mean mission, and they mean like going on spring break to Mexico and mission, spending money. Missionary. Yeah, right. And but they're basically all they're doing is going and green going down there instead of <laughs> everybody's thankful for the local economy but like they maybe helped build a wall and sometimes they have to tear it down and rebuild it afterwards okay so that's some aspect when people mean mission that i'm not super interested in that uh but i also think there's a lot of ways in which you can define mission that is broad uh i mean helping with the laundry detergent it seems like a silly thing but is a one little way of sacrificing and trying to help uh, something that already exists. I also think there's a tendency, and I'm maybe take one or two more questions and we'll end, but uh, for us as Orthodox or in general, for us to replicate things that already exist. And I don't see a reason to replicate things that already exist when we, it would be better for us to come alongside something that already exists and help support it. Okay. Right? For example, like the Walk for Life that's going to happen, the Choices Center that's here in Oak Ridge, is for mothers who are contemplating they need to know options that they have so that they don't abort the baby, mm-hmm. right? That is something that is local work. Uh, Josh and Gloria are kind of the con- local contacts for that. But that is something that has real specific uh, on-the-ground things to do, uh, to work for. You can volunteer there, and it doesn't have to be St. Anne's-oriented as much as you're a St. Anne's folk who's helping out with something that already exists. Because if we try to replicate that, we would do a really bad job of it. We just don't have the resources. We don't have so mission would just be uh, described as uh, you know taking action in the real world to do something to you know I guess do God's work or you know what I mean like to so yeah I would say there's like different uh, layers. It's not right. mission has different things. Some people they think mission all it means is like going out and knocking on doors and asking if people mm-hmm. have ever heard of Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's others who think mission is not saying Jesus at all and just doing good things. I think it's all of the above. There's a lot of ways in which we can do things. I'm not advocating that everybody goes and knocks on door. I don't really think that's a very good avenue to evangelize. Uh, most people are afraid if you knock the door now. <laughs> right? Like, who's at the door? Like, nobody knocks on the door anymore, right? <laughs> Is that Jehovah's Witnesses? Is that what you said? That it's Jesus. Oh, or Mormons. <laughs> uh, so, that's a great question. Uh, and it's something like I was like I'm open. If people have ideas, if there's something in particular ministry, for example, I know that somebody uh, has asked for a meeting with me to talk about a prison prison ministry, because those are folks that we do not pay attention to, mm-hmm. right? So that would be good to engage with and get connected to, like getting back into the community. Like that transition. The older I get, the more I'm just like, oh, that's a heavy weight. If you've been inside for a few years and you get out, you got the target on you, right? Like, what job are you going to get? Where are you going to live? What, like, all that stuff. That's that's good work that should be done there. And not just trying to go in there and save people and then leave them, right? Okay. Any other questions? If there's something that's just, like, boiling up in your mind or your heart, I bet somebody else is thinking the same thing. So now is the time. Or forever hold your peace. <laughs> oh, all right, there we go. Well, I'll ask one. So, uh, for the uh, life confession or any moving forward, is there any uh, any reason you frown upon coming in with like a um, written cliff notes, right? Yeah, I I do the same thing. So if I frowned upon it, then I'd be frowning upon my own practice. Uh, the only thing I would recommend is that you burn it or you know shred it, right? It's also a nice symbolic release to just say like I I have heard so. I've heard Orthodox, an Orthodox priest say, you should never do that. And I'm like, you, how? Like, I, 
inevitably, when I don't do that, inevitably I walk away and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. that one thing. <laughs> it's like the fourth thing on the list, but it's as important as the other three. But like, I forgot because I started, you know, asking you quite like, and you can ask me questions. It's not like I'm silently standing there like some, you know, totem pole of priestliness and you're just kind of like <laughs> pouring your heart out and I'm just kind of standing there. I'm like, okay, right? I might ask questions. I might not. And if I don't ask a question, if I don't say anything, usually, especially your person, I'm going to say something, but don't, don't be offended. Don't think that there's something that like I'm secretly really whatever. Sometimes it's because there's 12 other people after you on a Saturday night and there's nothing that like sticks out and there's nothing and this might sound charismatic. There's nothing moving me <laughs> to say something uh, that I can discern. But if there's something that you want pastoral guidance on, might be something that you ask towards the end of the confession. I would like to talk to you in a little bit more detail about X because I can't always attend to that, especially if you're coming on Saturday night. This is pretty similar, but like when you just come in, do you address you? I mean, you, you talk to the camp about that. <coughs> do you address? I mean, some people say stuff. I don't really say much, mostly because I'm in the zone, as it were. <laughs> so, so, so that's how we should. should. Yeah, you just kind of come in. Yeah. You venerate the gospel on the cross. If you don't, I'll say it. Or sometimes I don't remember, or it's the 12th person and I'm tired and my feet are hurting. That's just what it is. That's part of the reason why I might not say something sometimes. Not out of, it's not because I have some great insider piety. Uh, <coughs> then I start the prayer. Now, if you schedule something, and this I'm talking like a normal Saturday night, which sometimes I can be here for an hour, hour and a half, two hours sometimes. Uh, if you schedule something with me, that's a different animal, as it were, right? Well, that gives it, that lets a little, there's a little bit more space to be able to talk about things, well, etc. Like lifetime confession. Lifetime confession, uh, especially if we are scheduling it, then I'll make sure that there's a little block of time. Kelly, did you have? So are you talking towards the icon of Christ or towards you? All of the above. <laughs> Don't over, don't you don't have to overthink it that much. When I I the last thing sorry this is the last thing, unless somebody else has a question. Uh, the last thing that happens is absolution, right? It won't happen in the lifetime confession because the absolution happens like we went over with chrismation, right? For a lot of you are getting chrismated, uh, and if it's baptism, well, it's baptism, right? That's the washing away of sins. Uh, what I suggest. And some people do it different ways, and I just kind of go with it because I'm not really interested in like micromanaging people <laughs> in this. Let me do it like this. What I would suggest is that you just put your head like this, and I put the stool over you, and I do the prayer. God it was who gave David through Nathan the prophet when he confessed his sins. Peter what bitterly for his denial. The publican and the prodigal. May the same God forgive you all these things you have confessed, both in this world and the world to come, and set you uncondemned for his judgment seat. Now, having no further care of the sins you have confessed, depart in peace. This is me taking off the, the stole, because that picture of healing goes on your head. Right? And I'm making the sign of the cross doing, during the prayer. And then uh, it is typical to venerate the gospel and the cross, and then ask for a blessing, and then I give you a blessing. Okay? I'm going to tell you, if you go, you move away in five years to go to an Antiochian parish, it's going to look a little bit different. Right? Is that right, Micah? Yeah, it looks a little bit different. They'll give you their epitrahelion, and you'll kiss the epitrahelion. For example, that's a typical Greek and uh, Antiochian thing. It's not a Russian thing. Not that I'm Russian, but that's just the practice that we do, so we just do it. Okay? 
Any other questions? It threw me off for the first half dozen times. Because you're used to air practice. I always practice. want to kiss the Herculeon. Yeah. All right. Let's pray. Lord, now let us all this hurt and depart in peace according to thy word from mine eyes and sin that salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, alike to enlighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 For all those who will end up not coming in at Lazarus Saturday, at some point after Pascha, we're going to start up the class again in some iteration. It's not going to look like what we've done exactly, partly because of the time frame, but we're, something will start up. Uh, and if there's those who are even brought into the church, and I know it's very like, yeah, no way, we just did 20 classes. And you still want to come, that's fine, because I think I'm going to just do, like, the sacraments. I'm just going to go through this, say, the seven sacraments, quote-unquote, and just talk about them. Uh, for example, we didn't talk a whole lot about marriage, for example, and those things, but we need to talk about them. 